I'm Nick Newton, joined by Will Miles. Welcome to Stand Up and Holler. On tonight's episode, we'll have a quick update on the magazine. Uh, the Gators suffer a, a key injury up front. Corey Raymond continues to do Corey Raymond things on the recruiting trail. And we'll wrap up with Will NIL spread the love among the top tier of college football recruits. We'll discuss a recent prediction from Shannon Terry of On3 on X, Will. Not Twitter. X. Still, still getting used to that, man. Yeah, that one's a little bit weird, but uh, you know, all I know is I I appreciate that the day after they named it X, they had a big flashing sign in the middle of in the middle of San Francisco, and then the city commission made them take it down, and that that just amused me for for whatever reason. I don't know why that one really that one really stuck with me. So, um, you know, the the city of San Francisco versus Elon Musk is going to be a fun is is going to be a fun uh, side uh, sideshow for all the stuff that goes on with Twitter and X and whatever it is, and and. Uh, Hey, it's still a way to get our stuff out there, so we're going to keep using it. <laughs> well, let's start off the episode here, Will, talking about the magazine. We do have some additions to the magazine. We have a few more pages that we want to include, some new content to add. And if you purchase the magazine, you will be included in that content. We will send that out to you. Uh, but, Will, we're only about two weeks away from the season here and really, this is the last chance. we still got the digital copy out there. If anyone wants to buy it, this is really your last chance to get that preseason magazine in before kickoff on August 31st against the Utah Utes. Yeah, so you can go to readingreaction.com slash mag. That's readingreaction.com slash M-A-G. Um, hard copies sold out completely, so thank you, everybody, for doing that. Um, we've sold quite a few digital copies over the last month or so um, since the hard copies sold out. Those are still available over there on the site if you buy that or if you bought like you mentioned if you already bought a hard copy this friday so the 18th we're going to be sending everybody a link who already purchased it to where they can get the extra content if you buy it after the 18th then you'll get both links when you purchase the new uh when you, when you purchase the magazine fresh but um yeah i mean look I, I think austin armstrong certainly was a place where i wanted to spend some time so i spent some time anybody who got the magazine originally saw film breakdowns where we had the play we had qr codes to the play and descriptions of what was so that you could see it on youtube YouTube and descriptions of what was going on. Um, I think I got a pretty cool breakdown in there of, of Armstrong, his aggression, some of the things that he does on third down, some of the things I think Gator fans are going to like, some of the things I think Gator fans are not going to like, depending upon what the result of the play is. Um, and then the other thing was just looking at the wide receivers, right? One of the big things we've talked about all offseason is the the three wide receivers and and with Mizell and Wilson and and uh, and Gene. And, and hey, are they all going to become stars? Well, I went back and looked over the last four or five years at the 24-7 rankings and how often those guys became stars what um what you could sort of expect as a top top tier even if those guys turn out to be really really effective true freshmen that sort of stuff so i thought that was kind of interesting that obviously you got a few things coming up in there as well um you know some of the perspectives and, and certainly the the naming of Mertz as the starting quarterback colors things a little bit differently when we were still sort of thinking maybe there'd be a guy coming through the transfer portal as we were draft as we were drafting the magazine thinking or hoping. Has, thinking uh, or a little, hoping. little bit of both depending yeah. upon depending upon your view but uh <laughs> you know I mean none of us were sure that that Mertz was going to be the starter um there was always the possibility that something else was going to pop up I mean obviously there's Austin Simmons reclassifying over the summer that sort of that sort of you know threw things for a loop and we were sitting there going is he going to reclassify for Florida in 2023 and then be competing for the starting job and and obviously that didn't work out so uh um so hey it is what it is there's a lot of things that are different and different than when the the magazine was drafted but certainly I think a lot of the stuff in there is really relevant um you know when when you look at just the roster who's out there 
who we sort of expect to be the all SEC players, freshman all SEC players, um, looking at how the SEC was won last year, given some of the quarterback play um, in the conference. And then, you know, why did Florida struggle? You wrote a really great section in there about that. A lot of stuff about recruiting with recruiting maps that show sort of where the players are coming from and why George is dominating the way they are right now on the recruiting trail. Um, so just some really cool stuff in there I think people will enjoy. If you haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, you know, 70 pages of Florida Gator football only. Um, get you ready for the season. And hey, if you're at the beach this week, like I'm going to be, you can uh, pull out your iPad and take a look there. Um, just view it as a PDF and let us know what you think. Well, keep keep an eye out for that uh, through the email list. And Will has everybody's emails who bought the magazine as well. So he'll get you through a copy through there. Will, what's the, when can they expect it though? Yeah, so it's going to be coming out on Friday. So Friday the 18th is is the target date for that. Um, for anyone who already bought it, again, you'll get a link just because you already bought it. We'll send that to you via email. You can download the you can download the new file. Anybody who buys it after the 18th will get both files when they make the purchase. So you'll have them right away. Um, but uh, that's when you should expect it is the 18th. Well, like we've said a bunch of times on the show, we appreciate everybody's support for the magazine. Uh, it's been a blast to write. And we'll, you know, we, we do it. We love writing it. We, we, we're writing it in the spring, right? But we write it as a way to build up toward the season. And there's a lot of action between the spring and the season, which is a lot of fun over the summer. But the season's finally here. Unfortunately, we got some bad news to kick off camp here. Uh, Justice Boone, the redshirt sophomore defensive end out of Sumter, South Carolina, suffered a torn ACL injury. Uh, according to FloridaGators.com, last season Boone appeared in all 13 games starting twice. He finished the season with 24 tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, and a quarterback hurry. Uh, this puts a lot of pressure on a young core. All right, you got They get a chance to step up, though. Kelby Collins, TJ Searcy, Jack Pyburn, uh, Cameron James. But Tyreek Sapp has also been moved from the inside back out to the edge. So a little extra support there on the veteran veteran presence in that area. Will Boone was a guy I was very excited to see his development this year. We we did see some good things out of him on the field in the last year here. And uh, I, I was really looking forward. He was definitely one of those guys I was looking forward to see what his progress was heading into that really second solid season on the field for the Gators. Yeah, this is a big loss. I mean, this is one of those guys who across from Human Milan, once Cox was dismissed from the team last year, really did start to be a bright spot there on the defense. I think we all expect Human Milan to maybe be the guy who shines, but just setting the edge, making sure the running game doesn't get out of control is a huge portion of what Justice Boone was going to be doing. And obviously he won't be doing that now. So yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, they've already moved Tyreek Sapp over to that position, so he's going to be filling in. Probably fits Sapp a little bit better than being on the inside anyway, mm -hmm. but that does speak to you know what they think about the guys like Jack Pyburn and Quincy Ivory and and TJ Searcy and those guys. It's just that there's going to it's going to take some time, right? That they felt like they needed numbers. Now it also may suggest about what they feel in terms of Cam Jackson, Caleb Banks, and Chris McClellan there on the inside, along with Desmond Watson and maybe guys like Will Norman. Where those guys on the inside, if they're really showing out on the defensive line inside, they go, well, hey, moving Sap to the outside is a way to get a more gifted player in. With Boone in the fold, he wasn't going to get in on the outside. But now with Boone out, he will get more snaps that way. So, look, I, I think Florida is always going to try to get the guys, especially with this team, they're going to have to get every edge they can um, 
with with the talent that they have on the team. I mean, it's a reasonably talented team, but it's not the most talented Florida team we've ever seen. And so, you know, one of the things you got to do is make sure you've got your most talented 11 out there at all times. So with Boone going down, Sapp now moves into that role. I think that does further the goal of having your most talented guys out there. But again, it's a question of a guy who was training on the inside all through spring and for some of fall, and now he's sort of having to learn a different position on the fly, getting ready for the season. Whether he's more physically gifted or not is kind of – you know, it's relevant, but it's not the most relevant thing. The question is going to be, is the technique, is the tackling, is setting the edge, all the different things you ask these guys to do as opposed to just rushing the passers. He can be able to do all that because, again, I think there were some really bright spots for Boone in a couple of in a couple of the different games last year where you looked at it and said he did his job on that play. I'm not sure he like physically dominated somebody, but he was doing his job more consistently than some of the other guys who were out there and um yeah, it's it's a bummer for him too. I mean, there was obviously sort of the uh there's the interview going around on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where people were talking where he was uh you know talking about sort of his upbringing and 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 what mm-hmm. brought him to Florida and those sorts of things and that was one of those things where you looked at and go, "Ah, oh, seems like a really good guy." So to have it happen to him, to have it be a non-contact thing, apparently while he was while he was celebrating a sack during practice um, you know just stinks like you know you expect to get injured when you're in a game somebody rolls up on your ankle something like that but but to have a non-contact injury during practice right before the season I mean these guys put in so much work mm-hmm. during the offseason to get ready and this is about when it's about this is right when it's about to get fun and instead he goes right back to having to put in the same amount of work again, if not more to rehab the thing, get all the way through this season, get ready for next season. So, you know, we wish him well, hopefully he's back next year, stronger than ever. And, uh, you know, certainly Florida's going to have to have some guys step up. Yeah. Those, those injuries, like these types of injuries, you know, it, it always sucks, right? You, you never want to see any of these injuries at any point during the season, but you especially feel for the guys that, work all off season and you're so close to getting to finally step on the field. And this happens. It's, it's every year you see it in the NFL, you see it in college football. It happens all over the game, which is one of the reasons why we'll, when you, you talk about recruiting, we, we talk about recruiting a lot on this show, but specifically you wrote an article this past week, uh, your toss up series about the Tennessee volunteers. One of the things we were talking about on the side is I know you've brought up many times on this show, about the 2020 recruiting class at Florida and, and basically the bare bones that are left of that class. You saw a similar effect with the Tennessee volunteers with that 21 class. And that's why when you look at situations like that and Florida still reeling from a couple of weak classes uh, and it re- it's really hurting the upper class it, w- w- on this team, which is one of the reasons why there's a lot of skepticism about the 2023 Gators coming into the season here. But an injury like this, it really magnifies uh, the importance of that depth early on. And right now, luckily for Billy Napier and the Gators, they do have some young guys that are going to be exciting to watch that are probably going to get some extra playing time as a result of this. However, when you talk about building for the future and really getting back into championship shape, missing out on that type of depth, that 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 is tough early on, Will. I mean, look, Boone's injury is going to hurt, right? I don't think there's any doubt. It hurts the depth. It hurts the skill. It hurts the ability. And it hurts it from an experience perspective. This guy has a lot of experience on the field. Whether or not he was a superstar is kind of irrelevant. It's a guy who's played real SEC snaps, know what the speed, knows what the speed's going to be like, right. knows exactly what he's getting into, and is going to be able to make big plays 
during the season just because he's got that experience factor. Um, you know, it's interesting. There was some stuff going back and forth on Twitter. I think it was an FSU fan who was tweeting about Florida having four guys at the linebacker position in this 2024 class. You know, they've got Jamonte Waller, Miles Graham, Adarius Hayes, and Aaron Childs there at linebacker. And those are four guys in the top in the top 100 and a bunch of guys who really are, are going to be classified. Maybe Waller might even be classified as a composite five-star by the time everything's over. Um, and, and you start looking at where those guys sit and you go, well, that's a lot of resources being spent on the linebacker position. But then you look at it, you go, all right, well, you need three of them at any given time, right? Certainly you have things like this where guys get injured. And so stacking that talent, stacking those guys becomes really important. Now, you know, you obviously need guys at other positions as well, but you know, I, I think one of the good things, one of the silver linings, maybe in all of this for, for, for Napier and look, I mean, no injuries, a silver lining and, or no injuries good. And I don't think that any of us wanted to see Boone get injured, but one of the silver lines is they have hit the defensive line really heavy in recruiting both last year and this year. Mm -hmm. And so they've got a lot of guys coming in who by the end of the year, I think will be happy with the, with the performance and with the snaps that those guys are getting. And Boone's injury though, unfortunate does open up some of those snaps to those guys. And so you're going to get some guys who maybe might've redshirted, who are going to play a little bit. You'll get guys who maybe would have only played, you know, sparingly in a few of these games to give guys a blow who all of a sudden are getting 15, 20, snaps and that will build over time and look you just you have to build attrition into your plan you never know who it's going to be but someone is going to be injured over the course of the year and it's unfortunate that it happens to Boone before the season even starts but this is what football is right football is especially college football you stack up as many players as you can over and over and over again at each of these positions because it's next man up. You never know when someone's going down. And look, I mean, in, in 2019, Felipe Franks went down in that Kentucky game. Florida was down like what, three touchdowns or 15, like 16 or 17 points when that happened. Hmm. And all of a sudden Kyle Trask is in there and the dynamics of the team completely changed. And whoever comes in for Justice Boone is going to change the dynamics. But that opportunity now exists for a player who's going to come in. And it's time for one of those young guys to prove it. Well, one area where the Gators will not be hurting in the next few years in terms of depth, uh, the defensive backfield. Corey Raymond is putting together quite a class. Uh, we we saw a couple solid additions in this past cycle, the 2024 cycle. It's come together well. Corey Raymond and the staff, they use those Louisiana ties they've built up over a few decades here. They pull Wardell Mack out of a New Orleans suburb, Marrero, Louisiana. He's listed as a safety on 24-7, 5'11". 170 but he plays inside and outside on the defense i want to really illustrate how impressive of a get this was on the trail though uh by the florida staff eight of the 24 7 top 10 ranked players in the state of louisiana so the 24 7 board has the top 10 ranked players in louisiana eight of them are committed to lsu Mac is the first one that is officially committed to an out-of-state school. Uh, there's one other player, the top player. He's looking at Texas right now. They're, he's got a crystal ball to Texas. But other than that, all LSU across the board. So LSU, one of those schools that is notorious for just keeping those guys in-state. It's really tough to go in there and get a top player out of the death grips of LSU. But Raymond and the staff, they did it. And uh, it really, really good get here with Wardell Mack. I'll let you talk about where he's ranked well because he's a little bit all over the board. You, you had a great tweet about that this week, or a great, uh, great X, whatever post. What are we calling it? Post now, um, 
But I really, what I liked about him is that he really showed the ability to play inside and outside on that defense, play it well. He can press, he can play off the ball, and just he he knows how to make a play on the ball. He's very aggressive toward the ball. Uh, offensively, he also is a explosive wide receiver. Just clip after clip of him taking it to the house, either beating someone deep or taking a screenplay and making it happen. So bringing a ton of athleticism over with him to Gainesville in the class of 2024, Wardell Mack, the latest commit for Billy Napier and company. Well, so there's a couple things there. One is that that explosion on offense doesn't go away when you start catching punts. Mm-hmm. And Ricky Pearsall, it looks like, is going to be the punt returner this year. I know they're trying a bunch of different guys, but Pearsall is probably going to be the guy. And you don't really want to expose your best wide receiver returning punts if you don't have to. So Mack will have an opportunity to make an impact early on special teams, even if he's not a starter right away because of what you're talking about, his ability to make people miss, his ability to catch the ball, his ability to take the ball to the house. He'll get an opportunity there. And same thing, Trevor Etienne is going to be returning kicks, it looks like, this year. You're going to want to start to protect those guys as they get a little bit older, getting close to get close to the NFL, those sorts of things. So a guy like Mac can contribute right away right there, which is an important part of bringing in any sort of athlete. Um, you mentioned the tweet I put out or the X I put out, but he's a four-star, 115th-ranked player, overall in the 24-7 composite, but it's really interesting when you look at the four services that make up that ranking. On three has him as 19th, right? So they've got him as the 19th best player in the country. 24-7 has him ranked 231. ESPN has him 262. And then Rivals has him 74. So there's a big variation in terms of what these guys think about him. But I think what that suggests is that there are some people who see quite a bit of upside and people who also see a guy who's who's relatively green when it comes to some of the technique, when it comes to some of the things that you need to do, the finer points to be a cornerback. But when you think about who's going to be coaching him, <laughs> you start to become a little bit more sanguine about that sort of thing, right? Because, hey, it's a raw prospect, but the raw prospect is coming in with Corey Raymond coaching him. And I think the other thing that we need to take into account is you've got Jakeem Jackson, you've got Dijon Johnson, and you've got Sharif Denson all top 300 guys at the cornerback position. Um, You know, Jackson's a top 50 guy at the cornerback position from last year's class. And then you look at this year, you got Xavier Filsamy, who's also a defensive back coming in a five-star prospect out of McKinney, Texas, coming into that defensive backfield. So there's going to be opportunity. In fact, there's going to be a lot of competition and there's going to be – opportunities for Mac to play if he can if he can seize it because you've got like guys like Jason Marshall and Devin Moore that you expect over the next couple of years to be out of here at the same time they're loading up at that position and given the fact that we haven't been able to cover anybody for like three four or five years um, just having that level of competition there at the cornerback position and the safety position defensive backs in general is an important thing for Florida to be building into and even when you go back two years ago where you got Kamari Wilson and Devin Moore coming in with that transition class that Napier brought in um, they have emphasized it's, it's funny the linebackers are this year but other than that it's been defensive line and defensive back has been where they've really seen the most success in recruiting overall i mean even when you just talk about you know offense wide receivers running backs quarterbacks things like that there have been times and places where florida struggled but defensive line and db ha- has been a place where florida's been really solid for the last couple of years yeah we see the staff doing really good work in both uh really where a territory they're quite familiar a lot of guys out of texas see a little bit of mississippi louisiana Will, this is not – we'll pull the numbers when it's all said and done. I imagine we're going to see some more Florida guys pop up at some point, but they've really extended the reach nationally here. I I know we're talking more southeast toward maybe a little bit bit west with Texas. We're getting a little bit west there, but 
this staff certainly is has no problem going anywhere to recruit recruit this cycle. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think you know we always sit there, and I, I mean, I know I say it over and over and over again that you got to put a circle around Gainesville, and bring guys in from there, and they just said to hell with that. They were going to go out and get people <laughs> from all over the place, and and certainly are hitting fertile ground where Napier's got relationships, and Napier's been successful before. Um, Look, Florida's got 22 commits this year, but they only had, I think, 20 last year and 19 the year before. So they've got a lot of spots. And this is a class where you could imagine them having 28, 29, 30 signees. And then they can't go into the transfer portal as hard, but I don't think that's necessarily what you want to do at this point. I think the transfer portal up until this point has been Billy Napier's way of sort of um, you know, putting a bandaid in a bullet hole and they're finally going to go to the doctor and start putting some sutures in. And that's going to be, I think, how you grade this class. 91.87, a very good um, overall recruiting ranking or overall average player average. It's not the best. You got Georgia at 93.5, Ohio State at 93.6, Alabama at 93.1. So it's not up with those three, but it's sort of in that next tier down in terms of where these guys are. Um, 22 commits compared to Georgia's 26, but you know third overall in the point ranking. And I think where they end up in the point ranking is actually going to be more dependent on how many guys they sign versus the quality of the guys that they sign. So they're going to be in that three to six range overall, which, you know, look, Florida hasn't been the, hasn't been the third ranked class in years. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take the improvement. I think there's still another step to take. We'll see if they can do that next year, but, uh, you know, the, after, after just years of mediocrity on the recruiting trail, I'm, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. This is a, this is a, this is a, um, very, very good, if not elite recruiting class. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, it's certainly something to grow with. We got uh, optimistic Will making another appearance on the show. Yeah, I show up every once in a while. Yeah. I look if if Billy Napier was recruiting like crap, <laughs> optimistic Will would not be making an appearance. But I'm looking and I'm going a bunch of five stars like on the roster, 92 average player rating. Like you know, those are the types of metrics that you start talking about that you need in order to be successful. And and uh, you know, we know what it takes on the recruiting trail to be successful. And they're getting there. They're not there yet, but they're getting there. And I think, you know, all the people who who got mad at me a couple of years ago or last year and are like, it's a slow build. You look, I mean, yes, they have been. This is a non-traditional way of building a roster. They are being successful at it. We will see whether they can continue that as, as things move on, because one year does not make a program good or bad. And so they're going to have to start stringing them together. So this will actually be a nice transition question, but before I get into it, I do want to throw out there, I've been throwing out the term optimistic will in hopes of you using it in the third person at some point. We got that done today. We got that done today. Very excited about that. Very excited about it. So hashtag optimistic will, everybody. He's just in time for this season. I like it, but hey, one of those differences, Will, and I know you've run the numbers. You go back. If anyone doubts the level of research Will does on this stuff, I, I've seen some of the spreadsheets. Uh, you go way deep on this stuff with recruiting. And I, and I, the one thing, though, that I brought up in the last year that I do believe, and you can even see the difference with the just hold up the Rashada situation, right? Hopefully that's the last time I ever have to say that phrase. But the Rashada situation definitely marks the turning point in what seems to be a huge difference with this Florida victorious group. And, and again, I'm not knocking the Gator Collective and those guys because I know a lot of those guys are doing the best they could with that situation. That was a tough situation. But 
man, whatever they're doing with Florida victorious, it's just there seems to be a different level of organization and approach here, and that definitely seems to have impacted uh, year three of recruiting under Billy Napier. I mean, it turns out that having an organization that all moves in the same direction is important. And, you know, if there was one thing we learned about the Rashada situation, it's that that the right hand didn't necessarily know and in many cases couldn't know what the left hand was doing because of some of the laws that existed in the state of Florida and those sorts of things. And I think a couple of things. Happened. One is. Yeah, well, I think a couple of things. One is that when you're embarrassed nationally. You decide to hell with the with following the rules, and, and if we have well, to, if Florida, we have to, Florida did update their law. Yeah, absolutely. That that was law. that's what I was going to say. Is the yeah. second thing. The second thing is is that Florida changed the law yeah. to give their to give their team or to put their teams that to make sure that their teams weren't at a giant disadvantage. Now, right. the good news for Florida is that Florida State's still in the ACC, so they're in a huge disadvantage from a money perspective, apparently, to give to hear them complain about it. But um, look, there's no reason why Florida should not be playing with the big boys when it comes to all of the different things that are associated with college football, whether it's facilities, whether it's, um, you know, staff, whether it's personnel, whether it's, you know, how they, how they deal with their alumni and their boosters, whether it's, you know, seat licenses and suites and all that stuff, or whether it's NIL, like all that stuff should be on par with every organization that's out there. Now, you know, just cause you have the resources doesn't mean you win all the time. And, you know, anybody who's a Cowboys fan, and has seen Jerry Jones spend money after money after money and not accomplish winning the Super Bowl understands that just because you have resources doesn't mean you necessarily always win. And so you still need organizations. You need people leading those organizations and you need everybody moving in the same direction. And, and that seems to be what's happened, right? I mean, you've got the, the Florida victorious um, organization seems to be putting this stuff together. We'll see though. Right. I mean, again, I am excited about where the recruiting class is going, but none of that matters if there's a drop like there was at Texas A&M after they had their big-time recruiting class. Because this isn't an A&M recruiting class from a couple of years ago. This is a recruiting class that's get that's getting you on that next tier so that you can take another jump. And if this is a slow build where in 2025 the recruiting class is – is slightly better than 2024 and then in 2026 it's better than 2025 well then this was a huge stepping stone to get to where florida needed to be if they sort of peter out at this level or even take a step back well it's still going to be tough to beat the alabamas and the georgias and the ohio states of the world so a lot of what uh, like the narratives almost always end up following the result that you see and, you know, so if we see a result that's positive, it'll be like, oh, Florida victorious solved all the problems. Maybe it's just that Billy Napier and his staff are doing a better job in terms of how they're allocating resources for these guys. That could right. Be it too. That could be and, it too. and so, you know, I, I think it's probably a lot of uh, I think it's probably a lot of different things. But NIL is a big part of it. And there's no doubt that having the NIL as a as a part of the organization and being able to communicate with them makes a huge difference, especially when other schools could do that because they weren't in the state. You just look at the situation from today versus a year ago when you had super the, the superstars at NIL early on were Texas A&M, Miami. How's it going at both those places right now with those two organizations? Uh, A&M, I know they're kind of doing a re- – it's not not quite the same deal as Miami there. But the organization, that 12th man, the 12th man group there that they had uh, – that that's how check in on the status of that see how that's going so <laughs> it, it is interesting to see what a year can bring and and we were in a very fluid market and that i feel like that is definitely going to be we might not fully understand the impact of it yet even still but just seeing the early signs it definitely feels like that was 
a significant impact in in uh, Billy Napier's second cycle there. So good to see things turn around. Another big win on the trail for the Gators. Kudos to Napier, Corey Raymond, and the entire staff going into Louisiana, taking out a big-time recruit uh, under the nose of LSU. Let's move on here to uh, the final topic of the show here. Shannon Terry of On3 tweeted the following. Tweeted X. What are we doing, Will? What are we calling tweeted, it? Tweeted. And I can't. I, tweeted, I'm sticking with tweeted for a while until we get the lingo down. I'm not correct. I'm not doing this every time. All right. See, he tweeted the following after Missouri landed five-star defensive uh, defensive lineman Williams Winari out of uh, – he's outside of Kansas City. I, I believe it was like uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. So in-state kid, Missouri keeps him home. Part of the reason why Missouri kept him home uh, is that according this, I got this here from uh, a tweet from Pete uh, Nakos of on three. He said, once he signs a financial aid agreement as early as September 1st, he can begin earning NIL dollars as a high school senior. Will that's a part of a new Missouri law that allows high schoolers to actually earn NIL too. So they can enter these NIL dealers and NIL deals as high schoolers, big reason to stay home in Missouri, uh, Missouri, given uh, the state of Missouri, given a little advantage to the in-state Tigers with the recruiting. So I want to talk about Shannon Terry's tweet, though, in this situation. He said, NIL is bringing parity to college sports. The years where a team could sign seven plus five stars out of 32 are ending. NIL will expand the number of teams that could win the title from historically three to four a year to two times or three times that number. I would argue the following with Shannon Terry here. I I do. I understand what he's saying. I understand the theory as well. You would think that teams could go all in on their highest guy on the board with the NIL. They could figure ways out to get extra players in the door. And quite frankly, Outside of Florida, I'd love to see Florida continue to uh, rack in top-rated classes here. But, you know, the days of watching Alabama get seven or eight five-star players, I, I think they got nine last year. I'm pretty sure they got nine. I think Texas A&M got eight the year before. Uh, Terry, I did believe uh, – I I do believe he was referring to the future, though. So, Will, overall, he's saying that the more competitive field you're going to get – Two, two to three times more teams a year are going to win the national are, are going to seriously compete for the national title. I would also argue that the playoff field expanding to 12 teams will help that as well. So I, I'm not sure if this is a, as big of a statement as it seems here in the sense that I think college football is trending this way anyway, but I do still think that the Georgias of the world and when Georgia has comes down a notch the Alabamas and when Bama comes down a notch the Texas or whoever picks up where they left out hopefully Florida again at some point college football has always been filled with certain teams dominating at certain stretches and, and it kind of goes on for about a five to ten year stretch well are we going to really see the sport change that much where you're going to see Missouri jump up and capture a national title anytime soon not as long as Drinkwitz is the coach there, but uh, he did have uh, a nice celebration jumping into the arms of another coach. Uh, you know, he, he's he's an interesting cat. Look, <laughs> I think if you look if you look at 2022, you had AM with eight five stars. The next lowest was Georgia at five, and then Alabama at three. If you look at 2023, you had Alabama with nine, Georgia with five, Texas with four, Oklahoma with three, and then 
you know, three or four teams with like two. So basically you end up with like eight teams Mm -hmm. that distribute the five stars pretty evenly. And then you have a few teams that pick up a stray. Right. And so come back to me when Missouri has three five stars. And part of the problem is, is that that law for Missouri only helps when you happen to have the number one player overall in the state of Missouri. And most of the time, you know, eight of the 32 five stars are in the state of Florida or the state of Alabama or the state of Georgia. Right. And so um, the advantage that Missouri got there is not necessarily an advantage you're going to have all the time. What I will say is, and I think this is where Terry's getting it right a little bit, though, maybe for different reasons is what I think is happening is, is that all the players who committed a few years ago did not get an NIL deal. And so a lot of the NIL money has been used to keep players where they are or to get them through the portal. And so the total available dollars have been less that have been available out in the marketplace, right? If you're Missouri and you're just trying to keep your star from transferring, then you got to pay that guy as opposed to now he already got paid. Right, He's already got all his NIL stuff already set up. He's not necessarily looking for somebody else to come in and snipe him. You're not really you're not worried about just retaining your roster with the funds that you have, which means you have more funds to put into the high school market. And so I think what you'll see is that you'll see a driving up of the price for those truly elite guys. And yeah, that will start to narrow the idea that AM can get eight of them, right? I think AM was really early to the party probably overpaid a little bit early for some of those guys, but wound up getting a ton of them because they were willing to do that. I think last year, Alabama said to hell with this, (laughs) we're putting our foot down (laughs) and probably did the same thing. Can you do that every year? Eh, We'll see. Right. And this year we are seeing things level out. This is a weird year for recruiting where you've got sort of that first tier with Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio state. And then you got a lot of guys or a lot of programs in the 90 to 92 range for the average player rating. There's going to be some movement that we haven't seen very much. Usually by the time you get to September, nobody moves, right? It's like guys will move in the point totals because one team has 13 recruits and one team has 22. And so the team with 13 rises up the board as they just sign more players. But from an average player rating, they don't really move very much. I think there's actually an opportunity for some teams to move a little bit this year. But that's what I would say. I would say that the transfer portal movement is starting to slow down, which is going to put more funds into the high school recruiting market, which is going to make the allocation of resources more critical for some of these programs that have just gone out and said, I don't care what it costs, go get those guys. And they'll have to be a little bit more judicious. And so maybe that means you get a five-star redistributed someplace else. But the reality is, is that if you're, if you're an elite prospect in the Southeast and you have the option of Alabama or Missouri – like the earnings on the back end of what you would get from going to Alabama and becoming a star and going to the NFL and having the Saban experience and the Saban stamp of approval is probably more than what you get from having the Drinkwitz um, you know, stamp of approval when you decide to go to the league. So if you go to Missouri, you got to be a star and you got to have people around you who enable you to do that. So, um, you know, look, Jay Cutler went to Vanderbilt. He became an NFL quality quarterback, right? Made a lot of money in the league. Um, and, and was effective when he was at Vanderbilt. So that sort of guy who can make that sort of difference is going to get an opportunity. You're still playing in the SEC, so I think that's still valuable. But, I mean, again, who, I, I – Who's the starting quarterback at Texas this year? Um, Ewers, right? Yeah, where did he start his college career? Ohio State. Skipped a year, his senior year of high school, to go to Ohio State. And why did he do that, Will? Money? Yeah. Get to start collecting that NIL deal. Start collecting a little NIL money a year ahead of time. 
well, then, yeah. uh, as soon as he as soon as he's done with that season, oh, going back to Texas, going back so, to Texas. So I, well, I, so I, the, I do the, think the, you're going to see some of this type of thing, and and maybe uh, Winari here, maybe he collects the money as a senior at Missouri, goes plays down the road. He did talk about. I saw an interview with him. He did talk about how it's important to him. He's from outside Kansas City. Uh, I believe that's about a two hour, you know, hour and a half, two hour drive to Columbia in that range. So he's talked about his family being in the stands and, and, you know, maybe it's a sincere decision. That's what he wants to do, but he could also make the money this year, make the money at Mizzou another year. And then if he doesn't like it, hey, the Alabama spot's still going to be there for him a couple of so years from now. The, the other thing I think that is important to notice or important to note is look where Missouri is in the recruiting rankings. They're 55th overall. They have an average player rating of 88.3, even with the number one player overall, not many players, right? They have 12 commits, three blue chips, right? Mm -hmm. So, and this is the thing that, so when I harp on elite prospects, the reason I harp on that is because the assumption is that you've already filled up your roster with the depth players, right? So when you look at the teams in the SEC, for the most part, they tend to range somewhere between one and 20 in the overall rankings. So right now, Georgia's one, Florida's three, Alabama's four, LSU's seven, AM's 10, Tennessee's 11, Auburn's 14, um, Oklahoma, who will be there next year, is 16, Texas is 18. South Carolina is 19, Arkansas is 21, right? So you start talking about how do you differentiate yourself when you're up in that upper tier of the SEC? Well, the way you differentiate yourself is by bringing in five-star guys who are can't miss prospects along with all the depth. Mm-hmm. The issue that I have with with saying that that Missouri is breaking the mold and is gonna and is gonna be able to to play with the big boys is that Missouri doesn't have any of that depth in this recruiting class at all so far. And so Drinkwitz is going to have to build that up. Now, he did have one good recruiting class a couple years ago. Last year was a little bit of a disappointment. This year so far, a little bit of a disappointment in terms of where they're going to end up, which means, look, I mean, Missouri is going to be a team that with high-level play from the guys they bring in in those elite prospects is going to be able to win a game every once in a while. You know, they'll be able to go up and snipe somebody. I mean, hell, they almost got Georgia last year, right? But I don't think that they're a team that you look at and go, yeah, they'll be competing for the playoffs year in, year out because they brought in this one five-star guy. Is it possible you'll have somebody run through a run through a conference like like uh, TCU did last year, like Michigan State did or Washington did a few years ago and were able to get in the playoff? Well, 12, yeah, absolutely. There will be an opportunity to do that every once in a while. But the the big problem for Missouri is, is that the kid they're bringing in ain't a quarterback. Right. And when and the the big thing that you have to do is you have to be able to find a quarterback if you're going to compete at 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 a big time level in any level of football. Right. If you're a high school program and you don't have a quarterback, you're going to struggle. And so with Brady Cook as their quarterback, they're going to continue to struggle because that's just the reality of college football is. I mean, I actually think Florida actually in a lot of different places is going to be a pretty good team this year. But we're all looking at it going, it's going to really require a step forward from Graham Mertz for this team to do anything really significant this year. And, you know, depending upon what you think about Mertz, d- depends on what you probably think about the season. Um, you know, last year, if An- when Anthony Richardson played well, Florida won. When Anthony Richardson played poorly, Florida lost. And when Anthony Richardson was Jekyll and Hyde in the first half and the second half, you know, sometimes they won, sometimes they lost. It just sort of depended on whether they could hold on at the end. So, um, you know, I... I get what I get what Shannon Terry's saying. I understand what he's saying. I just don't know that the um I think good programs have already started to figure out how to allocate the resources effectively. And so 
you don't have an advantage that you might have had two or three years ago. So if Missouri all of a sudden had three or four or five star guys three years ago, I'd go, oh, they just found an edge over other people. That's actually the commentary I have on AM a couple of years ago. Is and then they all and then they came back to Earth the next year. It's like, yeah, because everybody else realized, oh crap, we have to spend with those guys in order mm-hmm. in order to get these guys to come in. But they were able to find that edge. So that's going to be the question. And that Missouri law is an edge when it comes to recruiting this particular player. If they have five or six five-star guys in the state of Missouri coming up in the next three years, they'll have a real opportunity to get those guys. But are they going to go into the state of Florida and, and pull those guys in? Yeah, as well, it's like you said, they have to be in Missouri, and you're assuming that uh, you're not just ahead of the curve on the law right now, and that the other laws aren't going to update as well, because it seems there seems to be a willingness from different states to update the laws to keep up, uh, keep pace with some of the, the, these advancements. And I, th- I, I don't think we we're seeing Tommy Tuberville is leading a bill out of Congress. I, I don't think we've heard the end of this. Uh, it's still going to be rapidly developing. Well, so this is actually so. It, years, I, I will years. say that for for a nerd like me, this is actually kind of fun because the rules change every year, and so you can constantly be looking for what is that edge, what is that thing that I can do or that my program can do to exploit things. So I I wrote an article. Um, I think. It was in the it was in the magazine. Yeah, I wrote I wrote an article in the magazine about how they should just pay these guys under NIL and have them as preferred walk-ons, so you have more right. scholarships. Uh, who, who do we use? <laughs> was it the Santana Moss comparison? Yeah, Santana Moss was Early, the guy who for uh, for those of you who 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 aren't, don't follow aren't old uh, like us late nineties Miami football. Uh, Santana Moss, the wide receiver that played in the NFL for a, a long time, played with the Hurricanes. But that was the time when Miami was going through some of its uh, scholarship cuts, and he was technically at the university on scholarship in track and field, I believe yep. on that. So that's, that's, you had written an article detailing uh, how that can potentially be used in an NIL. Well, and the point wasn't that, Hey, Florida should do this though. I think they should, if they have an opportunity to, the point was that you've got to be looking for how do I maximize the talent that I can get on my roster, given the constraints that I have. So Florida should have less constraints than other programs, but if you find an edge and you have less constraints than other programs, then you should be, be, you should be tarring and feathering everybody who's beneath you in terms of resources. So if you could have it, you don't even have to do it egregiously. You could probably do it with two or three guys where you just go, look, we'd like you to be a preferred walk-on, but here's the NIL deal. And then you can bring in guys through the transfer portal. You wouldn't have been able to bring in otherwise, right? Because now you have available scholarship options. Like, there are going to be ways, and and not just with scholarships and not playing with scholarships, there are going to be ways to find edges in all this stuff. I think one of the things is that teams that go through transitions are going to have a real hard time holding on to their players. Like you mentioned the article I wrote about Tennessee, Josh Heupel came in and he came in late because of the whole McNugget fiasco with, uh, with, with Jeremy Pruitt there, but he didn't get hired till like January 27th. And that 2021 class that came in, they got four guys left on their roster from the 17 that they signed. So it was a, it was a low signing class. Anyway, Pruitt gets fired. They get Hypel in after early signing day, like a week before national signing day. They still get 17 guys to sign, but all those guys have transferred. The top seven guys in that class are all playing someplace else. The eighth guy is projected to be a third string cornerback. And you're just looking at going, they got two defensive players from that entire class who who are going to play this year. 
And that's what you're going to see, right? So if you're uh, if you're an organization trying to raid the transfer portal, one of the things you got to be able to do is understand what's the price for those guys who are coming out from a situation. Because you know in in October, which coaches are about to get fired, right? And there are ways to get get you know contact via you know through back channels and players who played with that guy in high school and all that sort of stuff. And if you know you're going to have a hole coming up. And you know you got a hole you want to fill. You can basically figure out how you're allocating your resources before early signing day, which means you don't run out of money when it when it comes time to bring those guys in for for early signing day or national signing day. So they're just they're just ways that people are going to be able to find to get benefits that other entities can't. And the teams that do that the best are going to be the ones that win. Um, win consistently and look i mean that's one of the things that i think nick saban has always done really really well is he undoubtedly makes the most out of the resources that he has and then he does a really good job of and this is why it's become such an arms race in recruiting he did a really nice job of once he brought in one big time recruiting class by finding that edge all of a sudden his boosters were bought in and it was like all right everything just grows and grows and grows and grows because everybody sees the progress and i think that's one of the things you know mullen was on a podcast what two weeks ago um, and he, he took a couple of swipes at the Florida administration in terms of not giving him the resources that he needed. But at the same time, like the support comes from folks seeing the progress and we weren't seeing the progress. And so it doesn't surprise me that people weren't necessarily supporting him, when, at least in terms of monetarily when it came to recruiting, because we weren't seeing a real huge benefit in that space. We're seeing that with Napier. And so I expect that the financial support there to really start to pick up. It will. I, I will say this, Shannon Ch- Terry. I share the wish that you're making there. I, I hope. I hope it breeds a little more competition across the board. Unfortunately, college football has always been fairly top heavy. Will uh, so. I so mean, I do, it's, I it's interesting. It's as, as a, pretty top heavy stuff. As a Florida fan, I don't right. Like I, I just look at it and I go, college sports are top heavy. College football, especially, is top heavy. And when it's top heavy in service of the Gators, it's fun to win. Well, let, let's be real. Let's be real. Florida's won three national titles in their entire history, right? In our entire history, we won three national titles. In the rest of the years of college football, I'm tired of watching Alabama every single year, Will. And now Georgia's becoming – Georgia's done that. I'm, I'm clumsoned out, too. I Like, give me a mix-up. A TCU, fun run to watch. I'm not a big TCU guy. It didn't really do much for me either way. But give me a little new blood here and there. I, I could definitely use new blood when the Gators aren't in the mix. I see that's that. the th- that's the thing is you you're having some recency bias here, considering that Florida went on a stretch where they won what six straight SEC championships, I understand. And, and we're I constantly understand. in the in the mix in for the that title hunt. I get yeah. it. And 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 look, I think it's really good for college football when you have those Florida Florida State games at the end of the year that are barn burners, and both of those teams are in the top five, right? Like those are awesome things that really sort of drew us into the sport. Is a big reason why you and I are fans and a big reason why we're doing what we're doing right now. At the same time, if you've got all kinds of parody, then that doesn't happen. But look, parody's coming it was a, because it was the same reason why I was sick of Nebraska when I was a kid. Right. And I got sick of Miami for a while and I hated USC after a while. You get sick of seeing the same thing over and over again. So if it's like if my team's not winning, I at least want to watch something interesting. And watching Alabama win again is definitely not that I, I'm just okay. They want to go. Well, you back. haven't seen them win in a couple of years, so uh, oh, I'll I'll, ta- I'll take uh, an Alabama three, win if it if it all means two that Georgia seasons, doesn't. All two seasons <laughs> in which we've been subjected to Georgia. So do I feel like I've had any kind of a break? Not at all. Not at all. But that's so I'll, I'll say this: I do share 
uh, Shannon Terry's wish, with the exception for the Gators, of course. The Gators can dominate. We can, I can live with that. I can live with that. Um, all right, Will. Well, one more time for everybody out there. A reminder on when people can expect to receive the updated, uh, the additional content to the magazine. Yep. So assuming you get all the writing done, you need to do, it'll be uh, the 18th on Friday. Um, you should see that in your email box. It, we'll, we'll get that done. And, uh, and again, if you want to go order it, you can get it at readandreaction.com slash M a G Buy the digital copy. Cause we are sold out of the hard copy and, and thank you to everybody who's helped us out this, this, this spring, this summer, it's been awesome. I mean, I, 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 I've sent a lot of them out and I've stuffed a lot of envelopes and my kids were not as helpful as I thought they would be, but it's a labor of love, man. And, and, uh, we're really proud of it. We think it's a pretty cool product. We think you'll enjoy it. And so we appreciate you helping it out. And if you haven't, if you haven't bought it yet, check it out. It's not that expensive and, uh, you know, give you something to read while you're at the beach. Yeah. Maybe I'll start the writing after I finish uploading and editing everything. Well, <laughs> thanks bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right hey, everybody one week we're, we're getting we're getting just the season's around the corner man we're starting to get a little we're starting we're starting to get a little chippy over let, here let's start talking about football man we're ready to start talking about football i i hope we don't there's three there's three letters i hope to avoid the entire season uh between really i want to take a break let's take a vacation from september through december on the three letters nil will Let's take let's take a vacation on talking about NIL topics. I would love that and just talk about football. Yeah, so can we we'll, take a vacation and not talk about UGA? That'd be uh, that'd be good with me. Those are three letters I'd also like to stop talking about too. So we'll, we'll do that too. All right, everybody, have a great week. One week closer to football. We're getting there. Everybody, hang in there. Almost there. A couple weeks away. Look out for the magazine on Friday from us. Uh, check your email from Will. He'll keep you posted. Uh, for Will Miles, I'm Nick Knutson. Have a great weekend, everybody, and go Gators. Go Gators. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Holler. If you're interested in more information from me and Nick, you can go over to readandreaction.com. You can like and subscribe our YouTube channel here at Read and Reaction, or you can go to patreon.com slash readandreaction to support us, get extra information, and we do ask anythings over there every once in a while as well. So check us out. Thanks for listening.